2: Welcome back to TV's Top 5, the Hollywood Reporter's TV podcast. I'm Leslie Goldberg, West Coast TV editor, and I'm joined by my friend, co-host, and THR's chief TV critic, Dan Feinberg. Dan, how you holding up, my friend? Oh,
0: nearing near a, a semi-holiday, so doing fine. Yourself?
2: Uh, same. Same. It's uh, getting scary here in L.A. again, but, uh, you know, it's, it's everywhere. Um, anyway, but enough about that. But as we record this, we are about to sign off for the Thanksgiving holiday weekend. And, you know, this week, rather than taking uh, the episode off, as we have done in the past, we're going to break format and do a little kind of fun holiday bonus episode. So consider this more like TV's top two and a half.
0: I'm Angus T. Jones.
2: (laughs) So this week's interview features an interview with longtime Hallmark Channel VP Programming, Michelle Vickery. As our loyal listeners may recall, last year around this time, we had a newsworthy interview with then Hallmark CEO Bill Abbott in which he proceeded to, well, he effectively lit his own Christmas tree on fire. Uh, Dan, you're going to read a little snippet here from this interview.
0: Indeed. Among other things, he discussed the the fact that they had... A couple semi-Hanukkah-related movies that didn't actually use the word Hanukkah in the the titles. He said, I think Christmas has become almost a secular type of holiday more than Hanukkah, which really does have more of a religious feel. He called the titles subjective and said, I think Hanukkah, from a religious point of view, is not necessarily as commercial and not necessarily as much about gift-giving, And it's really about what those eight nights signify from the religious point of view. So I'm not ruling it out as something we would do, but this is kind of our first foray into this type of double holiday mix with a lot of Hanukkah in both movies and a lot of celebration of how those nights are celebrated and experienced by those who practice the religion.
2: Yeah, it was a mess. Um, you know, Abbott effectively made excuses about the lack of actual um, Hanukkah movies. You know, so he had two Hallmark had two last year, and it was basically Jewish characters plopped into a Christmas movie. Without Hanukkah in the title, and then beyond that, you know, he also made a lot of excuses about the network's lack of diversity and LGBTQ representation in the interview, which you could, by the way, hear in its entirety back in episode forty-eight from last November. And then after our interview, this is like a, two or three weeks after the interview, color color us not surprised, but Hallmark really found itself at the center of a national firestorm last December after pulling four commercials featuring same-sex couples citing the quote-unquote debate surrounding them from conservative groups as a distraction. The network would reverse course shortly thereafter. And Abbott, as you can guess, was fired in January after 11 years with Hallmark.
0: But before we get to our interview with Abbott's longtime number two, let's take a quick run through of some of the pre-holiday headlines this week.
2: Breaking news came in. Obviously, it's probably the biggest news dump that could come before Thanksgiving, and I'm going to knock on wood because it's uh, about noon, so there's still time for plenty more there. But uh, one day at a time has been canceled again. Viacom CBS, whose niche cable network pop aired the truncated fourth season, will not be bringing the beloved comedy back for a fifth. It's another blow, man. We've talked extensively about this show and how it really just represents the struggles of existing in the peak TV landscape, Dan.
0: And it remains a show that is in many ways a special show and a show that means a tremendous amount to a lot of people. And my understanding from you and other people is that uh, Sony Television is still attempting to shop this elsewhere, though it's hard to know exactly what the most obvious home for it is. Uh, But yeah, it's a it's a very good show that has had a very rough go of it. And there's the one perspective that says man, we could have just had one season of this total and look what we got. So that's a plus. And then there's the other part of it that is this is a show that, you know, deserves an audience and that a lot of people would really enjoy if they ever discovered it. And so who knows, maybe the third or fourth home will be the charm or something.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is basically Sony is continuing to shop the series. It would be probably, I think, a a record setting third network for this uh, scripted show I did report yesterday when when the story broke that CBS All Access, the streamer at Viacom CBS, did attempt to make a deal for season five on that platform. But there is a clause in the remaining deal with Netflix that said the show can't air as an original on a rival streaming service until 2022. So what does that mean? It means CBS and Viacom would have had to spend a ton of money to remarket the show. And I mean, we saw what the the returns were for um, episodes of season four on the CBS Linear Network, which is... They have had success with multicams in the past, like Big Bang Theory, and it just didn't cut through for whatever reason.
0: In other news, Ken Jennings will be the first interim host of Jeopardy as the quiz show resumes filming following the passing of Alex Trebek. And speaking of quiz shows, Peyton Manning will host a reboot of College Bowl for NBC.
2: Over at Netflix, a streamer removed episodes of Dave Chappelle's show after the comedian, who has a deal there, asked the company to pull them. considering that Viacom, who owns the show, actually never paid the comedian for for streaming rights. So classy move on Netflix's part, bad move on Viacom's part.
0: Uh, Definitely bad move on Viacom's part. Uh, The question of... Who else does or doesn't have money that comes to them via streaming who may or may not be missing out on some residuals out of this? Who isn't Dave Chappelle is a question. I mean, it's one thing for him to say, pay me more money. But if other people were getting money for this, it's a little strange. But well, I mean, anyway,
2: he, it's not just pay me more more money. It's pay him pay me the money, money that he never got. That's crazy. I, to me.
0: No, it is. It is very strange. Also, though, Chappelle's show is available in several streaming places, including, I believe, HBO Max at the moment. So you can watch it if you want to.
2: But that's a lot of that's a lot of streaming deals that they've made that he hasn't gotten a penny from. So
0: HBO has handed out a series order to the highly anticipated adaptation of the very, very, very popular video game The Last of
2: Us. And speaking of HBO, Warner Media continues to look for creative ways to bolster HBO Max and announced this week that all episodes of HBO's rookie finance drama Industry – will be available on the streamer starting November 27th. It's a really fascinating move, especially when you kind of take it in in context of releasing The Flight Attendant, the HBO Max original starring Kaylee Cuoco. They released that early online for free. Hey, here's this big buzzy show with a big superstar in it. Come check out, you know, this, you know, subscribe to our platform, watch the rest of it. I mean, the pilot is very, you know, it kind of hooks you right away. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of efforts to really bolster that service and bring in people from all different areas of what really represents of, of really what the streaming service has to offer, right? Titans, the DC universe show that probably not many fanboys have watched, is going to get a linear sneak on on TNT as part of a big DC weekend that they're doing over there. Guess what? HBO Max is a big hub for all, all things DC, from the TV shows to uh, the feature films. So it's a great way to kind of promote the service while kind of eventizing stuff on a linear network. So really smart moves.
0: You can hear much more about what's happening at HBO Max and the acquisition of Wonder Woman for streaming at Christmas in last week's episode of the podcast.
2: And you can hear more from the industry showrunners during our November 6th interview from episode 94.
0: Indeed. Uh, In other news, The Expanse will return for its fifth season next month, and it has scored an early renewal for a sixth and final season at Amazon.
2: And wrapping up headlines this week, Dee Harris-Lawrence, the showrunner of All Rise and David Makes Man, has signed an overall deal with producers Warner Brothers Television. And fun fact, I was at a panel at the ATX Festival, the very, very great ATX Festival, which we cannot wait to to go back to Austin and and hear more and kind of revert back to that way of life. But I was at a panel listening to Dee and I was just sitting here thinking, why aren't we doing more with showrunners? And her comments really inspired our showrunner spotlight segment. And you can go back and listen to our interview with her from episode 36 from last year. Well, with all that out of the way, it's now time for our holiday spotlight interview.
0: With Thanksgiving now in the books, we're officially into the holiday season, apparently. Christmas is a month away and Hanukkah is much closer. But to get us in the spirit, we're pleased to be welcomed by Michelle Vickery, the Executive Vice President of Programming at Hallmark Channel parent company Crown Media. Michelle, thank you for joining us.
1: It's my pleasure. I'm really excited to talk to you guys today. So, you know,
2: getting started, Hallmark traditionally launches holiday programming 100 days before Christmas, which you did this year <laughs> on October 23rd. We did. Uh, in your nearly two decades overseeing original programming for mm-hmm. Hallmark, how have you seen the appetite for programming change this year specifically?
1: Uh, this year? Well, you know, it's uh, it's been an evolution, I will say. Um, we, you know, many years ago would make Christmas movies and we had great, you know, had success with them, but we, you know, sort of recognized that our brand is about celebrations and it's about holidays and it's about um, celebrating community and, and, and romance and uh, making people feel good. And so we decided that we would sort of make it into an event. And we thought that because of our brand, we really had not only the, the permission, but the obligation to really make it a big event. And, I would say that this year, what we've seen, in my opinion, is uh, that we have become part of a a pop culture phenomenon, because it isn't just about coming to Hallmark, turning on the television on October 23rd, 100 days before Christmas starts, uh, and going all the way to January 1st, but they stay tuned the entire time. And they are buying their Hallmark Channel socks and their Hallmark Channel wine and their Hallmark Channel wine glasses and their blankets and their chocolate. And they're listening to the Sirius Hallmark Channel radio station and they can't get enough of what we have to provide. And I think for this year uh, in particular, it is about the positivity and the optimism and the feel good and the I just want to relax with Hallmark. I want to feel Better after having spent two hours with you. And that's a promise that we make and that our brand helps us make. And, um, you know, I will tell you, uh, we are even greater offenders than the 100 days. Uh, Back in March, um, um, when this first started happening, we had an overwhelming um, outpouring of Hey, we need a little Christmas right now. So we ran two weekends of of Christmas movies uh, to great success in the ratings and our audience loved it. And then we did it again in Christmas in July. Uh, So um, evidently people need a little little Hallmark Christmas this year.
2: I won't lie. As we record this, it's November 19th and I started wrapping holiday gifts last night.
1: (laughs) I love it. I love it. As
2: you
0: mentioned, obviously, people are definitely looking for, I don't know, more soul nourishment or however anyone wants to put it this year than perhaps ever before. Um, Talk a bit about how the coronavirus, COVID-19, the whole thing has impacted basically every step of the process this year, from the actual creative pipeline to the production, everything.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, as you guys remember, we all remember, the world remembers when this first started, we were saying things like, oh, it's going to be two weeks, uh, which of course uh, was not uh, the case. And as it, ca- <laughs> you know, mid March, uh, we have original movies that were set to premiere in the spring, original movies that were set to premiere in the summer. And the longer we were, you know, sheltering at home, the more it became clear we weren't going to be able to do those. So what we did uh, uh, in that three and a half to almost four months is we took a look at what we needed to focus on. And that was our leadership position in holiday. So it was all hands on deck for 40 holiday movies. And when we came back up in um, mid July, I believe and started in production, Um, I had, I had bosses who said, okay, realistically, how many do you think you're going to be able to complete of the 40? And I had to say, I have absolutely no idea. Let me give you a percentage, but it doesn't, it's not real. I don't know. And I'm so proud of the team. They got to uh, 39. We didn't quite make it to the 40. We're going to air 40. Um, and we did an acquisition of one, but we, they got it to 39 we're still making them. We're still finishing them. Thankfully, they're all shot. So that's a great thing. We're all in post-production, but, but uh, a phenomenal achievement. So I, I get to say 99%, somewhere close. Yeah.
0: Could you give us a sense of what the production timetable is on a traditional Hallmark movie? How long do they have to shoot? How long do they get to edit, et cetera?
1: Yeah. So um, traditionally, um, all things, uh, you know, the regular problems that happen in production, a movie can be, you know, a script can go from anywhere from six months to a couple of years to develop. Um, Once we get to that, um, once we get to that place where we green, we say, okay, it's ready for green light. It's all, it's, it's all systems go because that's when funding and casting and all of that can, you know, start to happen. About four weeks of prep, location scouting and hiring a crew and, and casting. And then, uh, we shoot, uh, we have 15 day shoots. So over three weeks, that's long, uh, any movie, uh, our traditional movies take to shoot. It used to be 21 days, uh, um, back in the nineties, but now we've honed it into a 15 days. And it's funny if we've worked with somebody who we haven't worked with in a while, that that hasn't done a TV movie in a while, they'll say things like, 15 days. It's impossible. And it really is an art and TV movie producers, directors, and, and, uh, and crew, uh, are, they are a special breed and being able to accomplish what they do. And then when, when things are good, we like to take six to eight weeks, uh, in post-production. And then when things are really good, we get it finished, uh, in time so we can send you guys, finished copies of a movie so you can review them. But uh, of course, this year has made it very difficult for us. I and mean, we are taking delivery of movies days before air, but we're getting it done.
2: But in, in terms of how, you know, the creative and what you're seeing and what viewers are seeing on screen, how would you say this year's crop of holiday movies changed given that they had to be filmed, not just during a 15-day shoot, which is traditional, but during COVID and with safety protocols? Did, for example, did the, the types of scenes that we're seeing... Change? Are you having? Do you have holiday movies that have families struggling because not everyone can be there because of COVID?
1: Yeah, um, it's 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 been from a creative standpoint. I think that our team and the crews, particularly even the most recent ones, and there's been lots of COVID protocols that have changed and and gotten stricter and then and then loosened up and then changed again. um, I would say, you know. The Hallmark Kiss uh, is one that we have to take a a lot of care with and make sure our actors are comfortable. We have, you know, we have just, we've followed the most safety, the highest safety protocols uh, possible. And I think that because we didn't, we had that three and a half months where we were just developing scripts, from a story point and from uh, a creative standpoint on the script side, I think these guys were able to develop uh, some of our strongest scripts we've, we've um, ever, ever um, had written. And I think you see the result of that in the storytelling. You know, there's, you know, some, there's fewer crowd scenes, there's fewer people at the Christmas tree lighting. There's, you know, there you, you can see that, you know, in some ways, uh, you know, creatively and, and, and in locations that people are a little bit further apart. And so we just, you know, th- they got really smart about how to make it look like, uh, uh, a regular Hallmark Christmas, not a COVID Christmas.
0: You, you mentioned the Hallmark kiss. And yeah. I feel like we've, I feel like we've seen how a lot of people are handling such things. I've yeah. seen pictures of people kissing through plexiglass. plexiglass I've right. seen I've seen people kissing mannequins I've seen be- people kissing their spouses in real life right. from other angles. What did you guys do what, what work around yeah did
1: you we've done we've done all of that uh, and we have had you know we've had a couple movies where um where they didn't kiss they just we just know that they have you know found their you know their 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 love partner and they are you know and it's a happy a, a happy hallmark ending. <laughs> But, you know, her head leans on his shoulder and uh, and away goes the uh, Christmas carousel. So there's a lot. Yeah, yeah. The Hallmark high five.
0: The Hallmark
2: high five. The
1: the hallmark end high five. That's exactly it. Uh, I haven't done that, but I'm going to make a note right now.
2: <laughs> yeah, Dan will get co-EP credit on that <laughs> exactly, one. Exactly, <laughs>
1: exactly. Story by Dan.
2: <laughs> um, you know, I, I do want to uh, change gears a little bit here. You know, last, last year was kind of a fraught holiday season for Hallmark, Um, then CEO Bill Abbott was fired in January after he removed a commercial featuring a same sex couple before eventually backtracking and issuing apology. That, of course, followed an interview that he did with us on our show last November. That would be episode 47 for those interested in going back. Where he kind of defended having only four holiday movies with black leads, no same-sex characters, and only two Hanukkah movies, neither of which actually had the word Hanukkah in their title. With such a crazy year, what lessons did you and your Hallmark programming team learn from all that controversy?
1: I can tell you what we did. We hit the ground running. And we focused on expanding our storytelling. We focused on diversity and inclusion. And as soon as we uh, knew how long we were going to be down in production, we were really able to strategize about how to make sure that more people and as many people could see themselves in a Hallmark Christmas movie and, and relate to those characters. And so we started working on stories that I think we're really proud of this year. I can share one in particular that I'm really proud of. Um, the Christmas House, and it's a multi generational, multi dimensional um, uh, movie about one family with three stories. It's an ensemble cast, and I love the inspiration for it. I'll just start with it. Robert Buckley, uh, who's one of the stars, he was one of those families that had the uh, crazy Christmas house and that you would decorate, and all of the you know the school kids would come to see. Inspired by that, uh, he brought this story to us. Uh, his parents played by. Sharon Lawrence and Treat Williams are at a crossroads in their relationship and so really proud of the fact that we are able to not just tell that a story and just have it be two certain kinds of leads but they bring their two sons home one is Robert Buckley who's at a crossroads and the others played by Jonathan Bennett who brings his husband home and they're in the process of um, adopting um, a baby so that they can start to make their holidays traditions and we're really proud that we were able to make those changes and move in a direction where there are so many of the movies this year that have diversity, so many of the movies that have inclusion. This one we're particularly proud of. Uh, we shared an early screener with GLAAD and they loved and endorsed the movie which we're also thrilled to hear about. Um, I will mention our Hanukkah movie this year, uh, Love Lights Hanukkah, which does have it in the title. Um, And uh, that stars Mia Kirshner and Ben Savage. And this is a Hanukkah movie. And it is, uh, it does start um, uh, with an adopted woman who has lost her adoptive parents. um, And they did celebrate Christmas. She decides to do an at-home DNA test and finds out she's Jewish and The movie is a journey for her to learn what that means for her to understand um, um, her new family, her new faith and what celebrating Hanukkah means um, and what that new community can mean. So we're really proud of of that one as well. And I will tell you, we were very nervous because, um, as, as you know, a lot has been dictated by physical production. Um, and we thought we weren't going to be able to get that movie until December 20th, but we really, really hustled. And that six weeks of post-production out the window, I think that we get it. They're going to deliver it to us uh, in three weeks of post-production. And we're really proud that we'll be able to air it during Hanukkah.
0: I I believe we call that a Hanukkah miracle. Thank Um... you.
1: Thank you. I'll take that.
0: Well, okay. so talk to us from a creative standpoint, and I don't know if you're going to have exact numbers for this, but but in a sort of nebulous sense of what percentage of these movies were written by people who were sort of within the Hallmark family, you know, your your recurring stable of writers, how many came from new writers and how you found the writers from outside of the. Hallmark family that you wanted to showcase?
1: Yeah, we, you know, I, you know, I won't, you know, I, I, I have to say, you know, we did have to, um, use a lot of our stable writers who, um, because it's, you know, in that usual world where we can go out and meet with agents and start to, you know, call from, you know, more diverse pools and, and more writers. Uh, we had to hit the, we were hitting the ground running. And by the way, a lot of that's, a lot of those movies were already in development, um, but we have, you know, put out um, invitation to expand the pool. We have more writers, more women writers um, than we've ever had. We have more writers of diversity and we have um, more gay writers writing for us. And we're particularly proud of that and um, and more to come in 2021.
2: You know, when you say that you have more writers of diversity, and more gay writers, like, you know, in, in terms of. How many did you have before? Does it feel like it like it's a big, big change from what you've seen for 17 over your uh, 17 years there?
1: I would say. Oh, absolutely. Um, I would say uh, significant gains in the last couple of years, um, particularly this year. And I know that the focus from our development team is um, is is to increase that number um, substantially um, with both diversity and inclusion and and making sure that, um, that that's an important part of the hiring process.
0: I think that we got a fair amount of feedback from people on Twitter. You know, some people after the interview with Bill Abbott were like, yay, way to, you know, feet to the fire, blah, blah, blah. And But then, of course, there was the other side of it that was a, if Hallmark doesn't want to change, why can't Hallmark make the movies Hallmark wants to make? From your perspective, what is the imperative from your perspective and of making sure that hallmark movies are more representative than they have been in the past it's
1: just you know i mean it's the one the most obvious it's the it's the right thing to do uh and our brand um and our and and it is you know one of the the oldest and most iconic brands in american history over 100 years long uh old uh, they have been dedicated to diversity and inclusion and we uh, are more aligned with them than ever before. And so we really hope that what we're striving to do is expand our audience and not, and not um, just stay the same and stay who we are and, and, and program to a narrow audience. We want to have the most expansive audience. And I will say the ratings this year have reflected that and we've had more diversity and more inclusion in our movies this year than ever before. People love them. People people com- compliment us for them, and people congratulate us for making these changes.
0: But the the question that a lot of people are going to be asking there is why did it take so long? Why why was this not a realization that you came to ten years ago that diversity equaled ratings, equaled community, equaled expanded audience? What you know? What's the what's the struggle of making something like that? happened in a big ship like Hallmark.
1: Yeah, you know, the only thing I can speak to is what I've been focused on this year and what I have uh, charged the team with and charged our entire company to do, and that is to make that change now.
2: You know, I I wonder, though, you know, when you hear an interview like, like Bill Abbott gave us last year, and he basically said that you know we stay in this lane. This is the lane that we're in. We have no interest in doing these other things. And usually, you know, f- from covering TV development, when you, when networks want to grow and expand and and make a concerted push for diversity and inclusion, it starts at the top, meaning Bill Abbott. So he's gone now. But I also wonder how much of of your efforts to grow and expand to to reflect better reflect society were kind of roadblocked by by Bill by
1: Bill Abbott. Again, all I can speak to is what I was able to do um, starting in January and what I've been able to do this year. And um, and I can tell you that I have a team that has been extremely motivated to make those changes uh, and to see how substantial the changes have been this year. Uh, I'm really proud of, and I couldn't be more proud of the team because they hit the ground running, and here we are today.
2: I do want to talk, you know, that you guys brought in, um, or Hallmark brought in, or Crown Media, your parent company, brought in Wanya Lucas mm-hmm. to take over for Bill Abbott. She joined in July, mm-hmm. so that means from you know the first six months of the year, you've really had this time to create this year's holiday slate. But I also wonder now that she's been there for a few months, what kind of stamp has she put on Hallmark this far? given that these 40 movies were probably picked up well before she joined the company. Yeah.
1: Uh, and that's, that's right. Um, um, it really was in that three and a half months. And by the way, a lot of them were being worked on uh, prior to uh, the, the production lockdown, but that three and a half months where we really solidified what the slate was going to look like um, for this entire year. But um, Wanya is inspirational. She is so exciting uh, and she's exciting to work for, and she's excited to be here. And I think um, um, expanding our, not only our holiday table, but our programming table to be more diverse and inclusive is a big priority of hers and continuing to look at ways that we can do it where we focus on even greater authenticity and, 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 Uh, Casting for diversity as a great step, but also how do we create more authentic stories? And I'm really excited to work with her, as is the team. Well, when you have a
0: situation like a new voice coming in Mm -hmm. at the top of the pyramid, what sense do you get? of what is and what isn't changeable within the brand that that you know it's always just a question we have when you have a brand that has an established identity yeah. how much room is there in you from your perspective to actually legitimately seismically shift it
1: yeah well, you know those those seismic shifts i think we've all seen in the past can be uh you know the that cliche, revolution, not evolution is often not the way to uh, make shifts in television. And we have talked about, Iwania's has talked about evolution. And I will tell you, you know, she is a huge brand fan. And the first thing she talks about is what's successful, what's working. Let's keep doing that. Let's do a little bit more of that. Let's stretch the edges of the brand. Let's continue to expand storytelling, but let's do it in an, let's evolve to it so that we are going a little bit deeper in a rom-com, a little bit funnier, a little bit more realistic in how we in how we get our couples, you know, a conflict and then get them together. Um, and, and even some of the storylines that we did this year. Uh, and again, yes, we did have this one, but the one that I'm particularly proud of, Holly and Ivy, where and this is a new a new territory for us. And, and Wanya celebrated it. Um, which is uh, a story of a young woman who moves next to a single mom. She has two young children and she uh, finds out that her illness has returned. And this time it's terminal. Um, And as she wonders what's going to happen to her children, our leading lady played played by Janelle Parrish uh, says, you know, I went up through the foster system and I'm not going to let that happen to your children and I will take care of them for you. And that's, you know, expansive territory, I think for us in storytelling. And I would, Again, really proud of the team for finding that story and bringing it to the uh, networks.
2: You know, um, you know, wrapping up a little bit here: holiday movies and and now holiday original series have become increasingly an increasingly bigger business. You know, Lifetime, for example, was first to announce a holiday movie featuring a same-sex couple doing that before Hallmark did. Now you've got Netflix, for example. They recently launched holiday rom-com Dash and Lily. They're making a slew of uh, other holiday originals. Lifetime is in the business. You've got now a lot of these networks doing original holiday movies and specials. You know, how has the competition from other outlets, impacted Hallmark? I mean, is the price that you're paying for these scripts going up? Is the cost of talent getting higher? And how do you guys feel internally that Lifetime
1: beat you to the punch on a same-sex holiday movie? You know, um, look, we're a business, so we are constantly looking at the competition. uh, And we, um, you know, what we here's what we focused on. We know that our success and our leadership have caused um, other people to get in the game and they may have firsts and they may have uh, uh, things that they do that we are, that we haven't done quite yet. And we have things that they haven't done quite yet, but what we have is our brand. And so we, and we, you know, again, we look at the competition, but what we really do is look at what we really do well. We work really, really hard to focus on maintaining our leadership status. And again, we try to create not just uh, a group of movies, but a real environment. And again, that leads me back to you know, our Hallmark uh, enthusiasts wrapping their presents, um, sitting in their Hallmark blankets, wearing their Hallmark hoodies uh, and their socks and drinking tea and Hallmark wine and eating their Hallmark chocolates and enjoying what we do at the holidays.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us and happy myriad holidays to you.
1: Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Michelle. Happy holidays. Thank you. Great to talk to you both.
2: For more information on Hallmark's holiday scheduling, as well as a ton of other holiday programming, go to THR.com and you can find one giant resource for more than 120 different titles. And wrapping things up as usual... It's a special holiday edition of the Critics Corner. Dan, we've got a couple big shows that have uh, been released on streaming services that we kind of touched about, that we kind of touched on before. But uh, you know, you got the flight attendant on HBO Max, and Saved by the Bell is now up on, on Peacock. What are you? Uh, what are your recommendations for the big holiday weekend?
0: Indeed. Uh Yes, we talked in last week's podcast about those last two shows. I think The Flight Attendant is a fun beach read of a TV show, and it has a very, very good star performance by Kaylee Cuoco at its center. It's kind of stylish and fun and very, very, very disposable. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I can see how that would absolutely strike a chord with people. Um, Saved by the Bell, which has actually been getting a lot of very positive reviews, Um, and I'm not sure I 100% agree. As I said last week, I think there is a great idea here. I think there is the possibility that with Tracy Wigfield at the helm, it could become the show it wants to be. To me, the idea is not currently matched by the execution, though uh I think that there are some very, very likable performances and, again, some good ideas and concepts here. I will keep watching it because I'm curious to see if it will – Come into being what it could be. Um, speaking of streamers that are coming out this weekend on Thanksgiving Day, uh, CBS All Access premiered Texas Six, which is kind of a substitute for people who went to a high school where the Thanksgiving Day football game was the big deal, and maybe it's not happening this year, and that's. All sad and stuff. It's the story of a high school in Texas that plays six man football, which is a little bit like 11 man football, only with five men fewer on each side of the ball, uh, in case you couldn't have figured that out. It is, it's very, very much in the last chance you vein, only high school, but it's also a little bit Friday Night Lightsy. It's a lot of fun. Um, me personally, what I'm watching is I've been making it through. Another of those shows that is kind of a poster boy for our current streaming and peak TV era, that would be Wayne, which is airing on Amazon at this point. It originally aired on YouTube, possibly YouTube Red. I don't remember when it premiered in terms of the YouTube Red, YouTube Premium transition. Regardless, YouTube you might or might not remember, had a little while where they were in the original programming game and they had a lot of stuff. Some of it was actually kind of interesting. I mean, Cobra Kai was a bit of a breakout, but then they had Impulse, which was a pretty good coming of age pseudo superhero show that was part of the Jumper franchise, though no one ever would have known that. And then they had Wayne. And these were shows that YouTube had absolutely no idea what to do with. And it's kind of embarrassing the amount of money they put into original programming and to be completely unable to break these shows through. So it goes. Wayne moved to Amazon earlier this month, and suddenly people have been talking about it on Twitter. Weird how that happens. Uh, It is a sort of -of coming-of-age road trip show about a pair of teens from Brockton, Mass, who travel down the coast to Florida in search of a car, but really in search of themselves. It's very, very violent. It's peppered with obscenities and questionable Massachusetts accents, but it also has a really good vibe to it. And it's sort of like an American version of the end of the bleeping world from Netflix, which is another show I love. Uh, I have a couple more episodes to go. And yeah, so sort of a funny show that has found a second life. And then a lot of people are going to be talking about on the pseudo movie front, uh, because it's premiering on Hulu, uh, Happiest Season, which is being boasted about as a sort of trailblazing lesbian holiday rom-com, you know, just sort of it is a straight genre piece. It's just a genre piece that hasn't been appearing in motion picture theaters. So good. Um, It has extremely likable performances by Kristen Stewart and Mackenzie Davis And the cast itself is really remarkable. I have a lot of problems with it, but they're almost all exactly the sort of problems that I have with almost every single holiday rom-com in that it's a genre that's not made for me. (laughs)
2: Yeah. But I mean, just I I watched it, Dan, and, you know, just a a lesbian holiday rom-com that was that's a feature film that's got a a great cast like this one. It's, you know, I, I didn't love it, but I love what it represents. I'll say that much.
0: Oh, it's it, what, it, what it represents is wonderful. And I think that, that that is sort of the illustration of progress. If uh <laughs> if there if there are same sex holiday rom-coms that are every bit as problematic as something like, I don't know, apparently people think that The Family Stone is a classic. It's a really messed up movie um, and a really messy questionably good movie. But anyway, so Happiest Season is sort of in that vein. The cast is so wonderful. I mean, it's not just Mackenzie Davis and Kristen Stewart. It's Victor Garber. It's Mary Steenburge. And it's Aubrey Plaza. It's just an amazing cast of people uh, who are having a lot of fun and who are just there's a lot of joy to it. And so I found it extremely watchable, extremely pleasant. uh, And the problems I have with it are no more or less than I have for a lot of entries in the genre. Um, So I think that's probably better than a lot of the other sort of streaming movies that you could watch this weekend. I've read bad reviews for Black Beauty on Disney Plus. So Oh, well, pity on that. My Disney Plus subscription will continue to be Mandalorian only. And then I've also heard not such great things about Melissa McCarthy's movie type thing that's also premiering on HBO Max. So whatever. Anyway, lots of options and lots of TV And, you know, let your family members know that you love them, whether whether you're actually doing Thanksgiving with them or not, because you can still be together and connected without being there in person if it's a bad idea for health reasons.
2: Yeah. Well, for more of Dan's weekly recommendations, be sure to subscribe to teachers now see this newsletter. But yes, Dan, stay safe. We're going to wrap things up this week and we'll be back uh, next week with our regular top five format. And in, in the meantime, everybody, happy Thanksgiving, happy holidays. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay smart.
0: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com.
1: It's my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa, take it easy, Judy.